Welcome into the BetUS College Football Show. It is time for week number eight. That's right. We are officially past the halfway point of the regular season, which is kind of a shame. It feels like we just got here. I am your host, Gary Seegers. You can follow me on Twitter at GaryWCE. And let me go ahead and bring in the experts, the guys that know what they are talking about. We'll start on the left side of the screen. He is the analyst, the numbers guy. I call him the numerical guru at Stats of War on Twitter. Parker, Parker Fleming, sir, how are you feeling this week? Uh, you know, my TCU Horned Frogs are uh, undefeated. They're ranked top 10. I have to mention that out loud because it's something I can't believe. And Gary, I, I'm feeling a bit, we need a big week. I feel like we had some home run weeks the first couple weeks and then we've been pretty okay, but I, I want a home run week this week. So I hope that we are, uh, I'm, I'm under the hood. I'm messing with the numbers. I feel like, I feel like we, we, we've got a good, good week of picks lined up here. We're due for a big one. Oh, I certainly, certainly agree with you. Uh, we're going to talk about the picks recap here in a minute, but you've been doing pretty well on the BetUS uh, Three Dog Thursday show. So, what, five and one in the last two weeks went three and oh yeah. on underdog picks? Yeah, yeah, we'll be back again. So, make sure you head over to the BetUS TV channel and, uh, and make sure that you check out Three Dog Thursday on Thursday morning for whatever Parker's going to give out this week. You got a couple weeks to go to match my record. But uh, but I, I have a feeling you'll get there. Five and one is not too shabby. On the right side of the screen, of course, Kyle Hunter. He is our award-winning professional handicapper. And you can follow him on Twitter at Kyle Hunter Picks. Kyle, how are you feeling, sir? Doing well, guys. Uh, good to be back again. I'll tell you, it's crazy that we're this far into the season, but time flies when you're having a good time. And uh, this show is always a lot of fun, so I always look forward to it every week. Same here. Same here. I do agree. Uh, before we get into the recap, let me go ahead and remind everybody, go on and hit that like button if you would so kindly. Uh, that thing certainly helps us out. The quicker we can get to 100, I think it does something in the background, and it helps put it out to more people, so that would certainly be helping. And we are this close to 10,000 subscribers. So if you are one of those people that watches this show live but is not subscribed, go ahead and hit the subscription button. Go ahead and knock that thing out. That would help us out tremendously. We want to hit 10K while we are on the show. Now, let's go ahead and dive into the recap of what we have done thus far this season. We like to be as transparent as possible on this show. If we have a losing week, we're going to tell you. If we have a winning week, obviously, we're going to tell you. But as it sits currently, uh, we are 69, 45, and 3. That is 60.53%. I am sitting at 28, 14, and 2 on the year. Kyle is 17 and 12. Parker, 24 and 19. Last week, not too shabby. Uh, you know, I went 4 and 2. Parker, 3 and 3. Kyle, 2 and 2. Not bad, honestly. Uh, you know, we hit these lulls, and yet they're still not, you know, full losing weeks. So I, I think we're doing okay as it sits. Uh, let me go on and tell everybody the podcast. We told you to subscribe on YouTube. You can also subscribe to the podcast as well. That helps us out if you want to go back and listen to us while you're at the gym or on in the car, on your commute, whatever. You can do so there. It is the BetUS Football Show. That is both the college football feed and the NFL feed. So all of your football for the weekend, taken care of. We got it all right there. So go ahead and make sure you are subscribed on Apple, Spotify, etc., and leave a nice five-star review. Of course, with the subscription, you go and uh, go ahead and hit the subscribe button. And you can hit the notification bell as well. That's going to let you know when we go live. That is every Tuesday and Wednesday at 1 p.m. Eastern time. You want to be subscribed so that you can get into the chat. I see a lot of people in already. David, uh, Raphael, Walter, Arbone, James, Demond, Kyle, etc. 
You guys go ahead and jump in there. Any questions that you have, we will do a Q&A segment at the end of the show. So, gentlemen, I am ready to go ahead and knock this thing out. Let's, uh, let's dive into game number one, a Wednesday night game, October 19th, 7.30 p.m. Eastern time on ESPN2. Georgia State heads to Appalachian State, App State, if you will. And the Mountaineers are a nine-and-a-half-point home favorite. Latest numbers, of course, over at BetUS. And the total sits at 59. It's at Kid Brewer Stadium in Boone, North Carolina. And App State won this matchup last year, 45-16. to 16. They are 8-0, and oh, straight up, 5-2-1 and one against the spread against Georgia State since 2014. They have just destroyed these guys. Uh, Parker, we're going to start with you on this. Georgia State has won two straight. They are averaging 7.1 yards per play against Army and Georgia Southern. Now, obviously, both of those not great defenses. They've averaged six plus yards per rush in the last two games as well. The Grain, uh, Corner, excuse me, the quarterback Granger uh, is playing well. The last four weeks, they're number thirty in PPA per play. They're number fifty in defense. They they look to be getting better. App State, uh, you know, obviously both teams had a bye last week to get ready for a Wednesday game, but App State lost to Texas State on the road. Now, obviously, numbers a little wonky with that one. Uh, there were some circumstances that certainly led to it, some mistakes that were made. But I, I'm curious your thoughts, Parker, on this one. Is App State really the team that lost to Texas State, or are they a significantly better version that actually won at Texas A&M earlier this year? Yeah, I, I think that App State is one of the most volatile teams in college football this year, and that's that's really hard to kind of uh, you know week to week pin down which App State are we going to get here. Um, I have Georgia State as 39th in EPA per play margin, App State as 53rd. Um, you adjust that for schedule, obviously, that's going to look like both teams, they are kind of in the 50s, but um, there's a bigger imbalance on App State. They're 29th on offense, 101st on defense EPA, so pretty big, pretty big split from unit to unit there on um the flip side uh georgia state's offense is only 58th and their defense is 29th so kind of not as much of a spread but maybe overall not as good uh quality here i think there'll be um a lot of scoring just because app state's offense is so efficient and georgia state's defense really um is 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 good but but not you know excellent not as good as app state has seen the other side of the ball is just an absolute mess when you have app state on defense uh, and, and Georgia State on offense, um, 79th in EPA per rush for Georgia State, 109th in EPA per rush defense for App State. And Georgia State is rushing 13.1% more than the average team. They're up there with the, the service academies. They're absolutely ground and pound there. Um, one thing to look at, there is a big split early downs, EPA, late downs, success, 95th for Georgia State on early downs, 68th on uh, third and fourth downs. And then uh, on the flip side, App State's defense, 75th on early downs, but 118th on third and fourth downs. So kind of a weird mismatch of a, a puzzle piece here. My numbers just don't just think that the, between these two teams, nine and a half is too much separation. Um, I certainly think we can see an App State team that could come out and be dominant. But, um, you know, for App State to get to 10 feels like a little bit of a stretch for, for my numbers. So I'd slightly lean towards Georgia State to cover just because of recent trends and the, and the volatility inherent in App State. But with a bye week, I, I really don't know that I would bet against App State here in this spot. Totally, totally makes sense. Kyle, moving over to you, the App State defense this year has certainly been weak number 15, 115 in PPA per drive so far. The offense has been good. Uh, under the quarterback Bryce, but the running back Peoples is, you know, kind of hobbled here. Uh, has been dealing with a, a little nagging injury. Uh, 
I'm curious your thoughts on this. Uh, both teams pretty good in turnover margin. Both are terrible as far as penalties. Uh, what are you seeing in this game? Yeah, for me, um, I think Georgia State is a better team than they look like early in the season. Uh, Georgia State was uh, returning a lot of starters. I think they're well coached. I think that they're one of those teams that you can get a little bit of value on because they were so bad early in the year and people remember that. Um, I think this team is better than their record. My only concern here is that they are really run heavy and App State is definitely better at stopping the run than the pass. Uh, you know, hopefully Granger can throw in some passes that are successful here at this uh, point. At the same time, I'm not terribly high laying uh, this many points with App State against a talented veteran team. You know, App State, we've seen both sides of them, as you guys talked about. I don't know which one's going to show up here. And if you don't know which one's going to show up, why would you want to lay a lot of points? Um, you know, th this one is just a little bit. I had uh, App State minus nine, so uh, not really a strong lean for me on the side. Totals-wise, I wanted to talk about here briefly. Um, this total has gone down from 62 to 59. Um, I know somebody said, I was reading this, that, you know, some people are betting this under because it's cold. Uh, 37 degrees at kickoff. Really, the cold weather means very little to me as far as the total. You know, if it's cold and windy, that's different. But there actually are some pretty good queries, angles out there that when people bet numbers down based on cold weather alone, the, the total has gone over more often than it's gone under. Um, that's especially the case in the NFL, but I'm sure that would be the case in college football as well. So unless there's something that I'm missing here, I don't know why this one's been bet down three points from 62 to 59. Honestly, the Appalachian State defense really hasn't shown us much that would make us think that they could just uh, get a lot of stops consistently. And they've had a lot of games that got really high scoring. Uh, I think this one could be another. So I, I have a pretty strong lean here to over 59. I could totally see that. I, I agree with you. And I believe there were people in the chat talking about uh, talking about that as well. I, I, when I look at it, when I break this thing down, Georgia State 10 and 1 against the spread after a straight up win. They are 7 and 1 against the spread on the road in their last 8. App is 1 and 6 against the spread at home. I feel like this number is inflated because it is in Boone and everybody has talked about the fact that, you know, App State Boone such a great play especially after game day, etc. Uh, the numbers just seem to be inflated somewhat there. I've got this number under a touchdown. And so I I see value with Georgia State. I bet it already when it was 10 and a half. Uh, it's all the way down to nine and a half. I would still recommend it. Uh, the value is not quite the same at nine and a half as it is at ten and a half. But regardless, uh, official play, I'm going to take Georgia State here. Uh, they are trending in the right direction for me. Uh, Granger looks good right now. I, I like what they're doing on offense. The defense feels like they're a little bit better. Eh, slightly, they're at least more uh, opportunistic. I will certainly say that. Uh, they are number 13 in turnover margin. App State is number 38. Uh, you know, both of these teams not great on third down as far as defense is concerned, et cetera. And certainly there's a way that App State could run away with this, but they haven't really run away from anybody this year. So I will take Georgia State plus the nine and a half here uh, to cover on this one. Moving right along, we got one on Thursday night. Troy heads to South Alabama. And gentlemen, I believe that this one is going to be the Sunbelt West championship game. If I'm not mistaken, South Alabama, a three-point favorite at home at Hancock-Whitney Stadium in Mobile, Alabama. The total sits at 46.5, of course, latest numbers over at BetUS. And, guys, Troy won this one 31-24 last year. Um, it, looking at the trends, Troy 4-1 and one against the spread in their last five on the road. Uh, South Alabama 6-1 and one against the spread in their last seven at home. 
However, South Alabama's one and four against the spread in their last five against Sunbelt competition. Uh, Troy is four and zero straight up and against the spread in their last four against South Alabama. So that is certainly something to take into consideration here. Uh, Troy held off Texas State last week. Of course, Texas State was coming off of that big win over App State. Um, they played both their quarterbacks. Watson went out, got dinged up, and uh, Daigie came in and played well. Like both team, both quarterbacks seem to be playing well. There doesn't appear to be any kind of chemistry issues, etc. It's kind of strange, but it is what it is. Uh, the thing for Troy, for me, is this defense. They're number 35 PPA per drive. Uh, they are fantastic on the defensive line and especially at the linebacker position. Uh, what I'm curious about is can the Troy offense continue going on? They're number 70 PPA per drive, so not a ton of consistency here. Uh, Kyle, I'm going to start with you. South Alabama's quarterback, Carter Bradley, has been awesome. I mean, 13 touchdowns, four picks on the year. The wide receivers, Wayne and Lacey, have been awesome. Uh, but they've won their last two games against Louisiana and Louisiana Monroe by three points and seven points. Uh, the defense feels like it's feast or famine at this point. What are you seeing in this matchup between Troy and South Alabama? Well, Gary, you know I'm rooting for Troy in this one, both of us having them in the Sun Belt West. This is certainly a big game for them. Uh, South Alabama plus eight in turnover margin is pretty drastic. Uh, Troy minus one. That's certainly led to South Alabama having success. And in general, all three of us have talked about, you know, in general, we like the South Alabama team. Uh, but, you know, they may be getting a bit too much credit in the market at this point. Um, despite playing a much tougher schedule, Troy is just slightly better in, in net yards per play margin so far this year. Troy has uh, seen three of their last four games finish at 37 points or lower. That defense has really been flexing their muscles here lately. Um, South Alabama's 10th in PFF coverage grade, so there's a good way to attack that South Alabama defense. It's usually on the ground. Troy not great on the ground, so I, I don't think Troy is going to score a lot of points in this game. Uh, 126th in yards per carry. South Alabama, if you look at their schedule, they really haven't played many good defenses. You know, you look through the schedule, uh, Louisiana's a pretty good defense, 20 to 17 in that game. Um, UCLA, a great offense, a weak defense. Uh, Central Michigan, fast paced, not good on defense. La Tech, a terrible defense. Um, who South Alabama has played kind of skewed this number a bit, in my opinion. This happens in college basketball. You know, you play some of these teams that are just ridiculous high tempo, and then you go back to playing a normal team, and the total's posted too high. Uh, you know, I think in this case, uh, the, obviously the market has moved this one, and I sure wish it was still at 49 <laughs> instead of 46 and a half. So this falls 47, 48, 49. I'm going to be pretty bummed about this one. But um, I still like the under, uh, at least some here. Thursday games have gone under 55.6% to the under in college football and since 2006. I think that's largely because the shorter rest games have usually gone under. Totals of 42 or higher on Thursday are 292 unders and 226 overs. So that's 56.4%. Again, I wouldn't bet it solely based on that, but I think it's a nice complementary angle to look at. I think Troy plus the points is a good lean here in this one, but I'm going to take the under for my official play here. I like it. I like it, especially with the way that that defense has played. And uh, in South Alabama, again, I said it's, it's feast or famine for that defense. Uh, you would hope that it would be a feast at this point. Both teams keep it low scoring. Parker, let's move it over to you. Troy uh, has the roster advantage. They've played the tougher strength of schedule. Uh, they're better in penalties per game. Uh, you know, turnover margin certainly leans towards South Alabama, like Kyle was just saying. Uh, but there's a lot to like about Troy here. What are you seeing between the Trojans and the Jags? 
A couple stats here really stand out that I think are, are going to be um, important in this game. So uh, Troy's defense, 48th in EPA per play, South Alabama's offense, 55th. Um, but South Alabama really, really skewed. They're 30th in EPA per pass, 93rd in EPA per rush, but they're rushing just exactly about average, 75th in rush rate over expected. So very balanced, very run pass kind of um, agnostic. And what they end up doing is, um, you know, kind of digging a hole on uh, on early downs, especially through uh, through rushing a little bit too much in some of those situations. They're 65th in early downs EPA. This Troy defense has actually been awesome in early downs, 11th in early downs EPA. Now they're 113th and third and fourth down success and South Alabama is 38th in third and fourth down success. But the big split right there tells me that South Alabama is going to be behind the chains, digging out of a hole. Um, and I imagine that that third down distance is going to be quite a bit longer than um, they're used to seeing. And then the Troy defense is faced when they've kind of gotten pushed around to those power run scenarios. So I, I think that um, kind of the run pass splits for South Alabama's offense against Troy's defense don't bode well. The other thing is uh, South Alabama, 22nd in echo rate and quality possession rate. Troy's defense is 16th. South Alabama only finishes drives 4.23 points per quality possession. That's 61st, whereas Troy's defense is holding opponents to 3.62. So really, really good finishing uh, ability from Troy's defense, not very good finishing ability from uh, South Alabama's offense and not very explosive. So I think that Troy's defense will frustrate South Alabama's offense. On the flip side, um, you know, if I'm looking for tea leaves, I do think that Troy's offense has gotten a little bit better um, over the last couple of weeks. Uh, some of the stats you said, uh, Gary, I think, are really pertinent here. Um, in the, and their EPA passes up to 70th compared to where it was a couple of weeks ago. They're, they're moving in the right direction. Still pretty inefficient in the rush. But if you look at South Alabama's defense, they've really, really been excellent against the rush. 12th in rushing EPA, 59th in passing EPA. When we see a big split, what do we think? Hey, there might be some selection issues. I wonder if Troy, um, who is... <clears throat> Uh, 31st in rush rate over expected won't go through the air, get a little bit more vertical about the, against the South Alabama team, really test that pass defense um, and be able to stretch, stretch out the run defense a little bit there. So I think Troy keeps this one close. Three points just seems like a lot to bank on with, with South Alabama and the way they've played against their schedule and looking at recent trends. Uh, I I'm going to, I'm going to go with Troy to cover uh, as a road doc here. Let me go ahead and ask you this right quick before I get into, into my pick on this. Uh, do you think it has to do with Jared Daigie coming into play? Like, he has had really pretty good numbers. I know that he's turned the ball over a couple of times, but uh, maybe switching it up, and, and I'm not going to say putting more competition on it, but Daigie coming in with Watson, uh, both of them playing, both of them have been playing significantly better. Uh, do you feel like maybe that has a little bit to do with the psychology of the situation? Um, for sure. I also think that Jared Dagey, I mean, for everything that Jared Dagey is, he definitely has a higher ceiling than Gunnar Watson. Um, his average depth of target is longer. His big time throw rate is uh, almost is more than twice that of Gunnar Watson's. His yards per attempt is almost two yards longer. Um, his completion percentage five percentage points higher. Like the offense definitely has more upside if they can involve Dagey. The other thing that I look at is the sack to pressure ratio. And um, Gunnar Watson, over a fourth of pressures that he takes are ending up as sacks. Uh, Daigie, that's about a fifth. Still not excellent, but definitely seems like he's able to either throw it away or kind of mitigate um, mitigate the the pressure situation a little bit better than Gunnar Watson, too. So having that dimensionality, I think, definitely induces a vertical dimension, uh, a play-extending dimension, the potential for explosiveness to this offense I think they've been struggling with. I, I like it. I like it. I am going to ride with Troy as well. Uh, believe I got them at three and a half earlier. 
I, I like them plus three here as well. My numbers actually have them favored in the game. Uh, so wrong team favored, maybe. Yeah, we'll see. I, I like Troy to win in this spot. I think their defense is absolutely legit. So, yes, give me the Trojans, give Parker the Trojans, and give Kyle the under on this one. We'll move right along. we got an ACC battle on Thursday night as well. A lot of, lot of weeknight games this week. Virginia heads to Atlanta to Bobby Dodd Stadium to take on the Georgia Tech Yellow Jackets, who are on a two-game winning streak. The total sits at 47.5, and, and Georgia Tech is a three-point home favorite. Of course, latest numbers at BetUS. This one's 7.30 p.m. Eastern Time on ESPN. Look, Virginia won this 48-40 to last year. Uh, Parker, I'm going to start with you on it. Georgia Tech has won two straight games since they fired Collins. The running game is averaging five-plus yards per carry in the last two. The passing game has been improved. This looks like a complete organizational shift. Like The mindset of the team has completely changed since Brent Key took over. I'm not sure what to even think here. Virginia, on the other hand, just uh, dreadful in Tony Elliott's first year. Parker, what are you seeing in this matchup that uh, that you might like to lean one way or the other? Well, I think the, the defenses are obviously much better than the offenses on both sides of the ball, but this Virginia Tech defense is, is much better. They're 22nd in EPA per play. If you look at some of their games, some of their scores, you know, field position and special teams really factored into that. And it's not like Georgia Tech is great at field position. Um, Georgia Tech is 110th in starting field position allowed on defense and 52nd in starting field position on offense. So um, that that's definitely one way I think that this game could um, be determined because I do have this pretty close to a toss up here. It's it's kind of a, a weird story of, of mirror images on defense where Georgia Tech 10th uh, in EPA per pass, 71st in EPA per rush. Virginia's defense, 55th in EPA per pass, but 10th in EPA per rush. So definitely some selection issues there. Um, one thing that I think Georgia Tech will have to do in this game that makes me a little bit wary, um, I'm interested to see what they can do here, but I'm wary of this. Um, they are 102nd in quality possession rate. Virginia is 17th in quality possession rate. But in terms of finishing drives, Georgia Tech, 121st in points per quality possession. Virginia is 108 at 4.63. So Virginia is allowing a lot of big explosive touchdowns. But if you cross the 40, they're really not letting you score. They're, they're, they're holding you there. It's a lot more that they're giving up these big play touchdowns. I'm worried about Georgia Tech's ability to kind of exploit that. If they have to move the ball, if they can't generate these big explosive touchdowns, are they going to be able to march 75 yards against this Virginia defense consistently? I'm a little bit worried about that. So I have this as a complete toss-up, would, would technically lean towards Virginia. But again, certainly, um, I believe I have a Virginia under, so certainly don't want to root for that or, 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 or bet on Virginia to do that. But I am a little bit wary just about Georgia Tech, given that you know, there are some intangibles that might affect the situation, you know, the culture shift, kind of what happens when you don't have a coach or when you change coaches in the middle of the season. Um, so really toss up, really interesting game just because it's two teams who are great at like one of the four important things, but they're not <laughs> the same four important things. So we won't see best on best in this matchup. Um, uh, yeah, I, I don't have an official play here. Uh, my numbers do have do have Virginia favored slightly which makes me extremely nervous about this game. <laughs> I could I could definitely understand that. Kyle, let's move it over to you. Uh, Virginia, 1-6 against the spread in their last seven games overall. Georgia Tech, however, their last 26 at home. They are 7-19 and 19 against the spread. Uh, look, Virginia's 4-2 and two straight up and against the spread their last six against Georgia Tech. But that Virginia offensive line is just awful. I mean, they have just been awful all year. Kyle, what are you seeing in this ballgame? 
Yeah, I think Virginia's offensive line might be the worst Power 5 offensive line in the country. Like, they're really, really bad. And we talked about it before the season. I think it might have even been Parker said something like, I'm kind of worried of what they're going to do with Brennan Armstrong, you know, with the new uh, coaching staff and coordinator. And it it has gone really badly. I mean, Brennan Armstrong, a very talented quarterback and really has no chance in this offense. Uh, Virginia averaging 71.3 penalty yards per game is not helpful either. You know, fundamentally, they haven't been been good you really can't afford those kind of mistakes when you're already getting uh, sacked and dropped for losses many times you're getting behind the sticks uh, I think that if you take the full season data this line makes sense or maybe even be shorter uh, for Georgia Tech but if, I think if you're looking at recent uh, play Georgia Tech has really been trending upward uh, Georgia Tech looks like a different team now they do have enough talent to at least be decent Virginia has shown me nothing like, I want to see them prove it. You know, maybe they go in this game. If so, then, you know, I'll take the L. But I don't see any signs of improvement here. They were thumped by Louisville without Malik Cunningham. Uh, really bad look for them in that one. Uh, I think Georgia Tech is trending upward. They can run the ball fairly well. I actually had two pretty strong leans for this game, honestly. Uh, I, I was looking for maybe an under and, and maybe the side. I ended up going with the side here. I'm going to take Georgia Tech minus three. I just think that recency, I know sometimes recency bias can be a bad thing as well, but, uh, you know, this is multiple games that Georgia Tech has looked better. You know, they they won at Pitt, they came back, and what could have been a letdown spot for them and beat Duke, uh, they upset Duke there. They've improved defensively. The running game's been much better. I can't say anything that's really improved for Virginia. I think that they're just not a very good team. So uh, I'm going to take Georgia Tech minus three in this one. I, I like where you're going with it. Uh, now, I'm not going to make an official play on this, although Kyle's official play is Georgia Tech. Uh, you look at the trends. Georgia Tech is number seven in giveaways per game in the country. Virginia is number 128. Uh, that's certainly not good. Penalties per game trends towards Georgia Tech as well. Uh, they're number 81 to Virginia, number 109. Virginia is declining. I mean, three straight losses, the last two uh, against Duke and Louisville, about three-plus scores. Uh, this is a, a bad Virginia football team right now, and Georgia Tech appears to be uh, going in the opposite direction, trending upward. So I can understand where you're coming from. Let's make it official. Kyle, Georgia Tech to cover three here. Uh, I can totally understand it. I mean, at Bobby Dodd Stadium, they should be feeling good. They should be feeling good about the Yellow Jackets. Now, let me go ahead and give a reminder to everybody. I see you guys at the chat. ABC, Charisse, Arbone, uh, Anoop, Heath, Raphael, XCal, etc. You guys are awesome. Go ahead and subscribe if you have not already done so. I believe all the guys in the chat have subscribed because, yeah, well, you have to be subscribed to get into the chat. But if you would like to be and you are listening to the show, you can also subscribe and jump into the chat as well. Uh, we are going to do a Q&A at the end of the show. So make sure that you toss in any questions there. We'll curate as many as we possibly can. We do a rapid-fire format, and, I mean, anything that we have not hit, we will try and hit in that Q&A section. Now, along with that, go ahead and like the video for us. I see we're over 100 already. Knocked that out very quickly. Let's see if we can get to 200. We're going to keep putting the bar up. That's what we're doing. We're going to try and hit more goals as we go along. So go ahead and like the video if you've not done so already. Subscribe to the channel. We're trying to get to 10,000. We're at 99 Go ahead. Hit subscribe. I'll wait. I'm just kidding. All right. Also, tomorrow's show. Make sure that you uh, check out tomorrow's on Wednesday, 1 p.m. Eastern Time. Remember, every Tuesday and Wednesday, 1 p.m. Eastern Time, right here for the live show. Gentlemen, let's move to Friday. I mean, look at this. We have got so many weeknight games. I am so excited about this. UAB 
heads to Western Kentucky, and this is not a common Conference USA matchup, but I am excited about it nonetheless because these are two fantastic teams that are very well coached. The total sits at 58. Western Kentucky, the Hilltoppers, favored by two and a half, latest numbers at BetUS, LT Smith Stadium in Bowling Green, Kentucky. This one's 8 p.m. Eastern time on Friday evening on CBS Sports Network. And, Parker, I'm going to start with you here. I look at these two teams, and, and the numbers are really, really good. But I see some advantages for one of these teams. I'm curious if you will see the same thing that I am. Uh, UAB won this the last time they met in 2020, 37-14. They've played four times. Um, but the the most recent ones in the past decade were 2019 and 2020. They are one and one straight up and against the spread against each other. Parker, what do you see between these two teams that uh, that might lean you one way or the other? Well, one, I wish we could have seen this matchup last year between these two teams. It would have been really fun with UAB kind of this weird um, ferocious defense and just like an absolutely explosive offense that only stuck its head out of the ground like once a game. But it would do it every game, you know, and then Western Kentucky just absolute all out um, crazy offense there. Uh, the, these two teams um, are almost polar opposites of each other. Just, you know, you look at um Style Western Kentucky still committed to really throwing the ball. They're sixth in rush rate over expected, whereas UAB is 121st, so they're really slow. Um, UAB's offense is, I think, underrated, but typically a, a defensive heavy team. Um, and, and Western Kentucky a little bit more balanced, a little bit more towards the offense. I think that UAB's offense, um, uh, has has found a way to raise their kind of uh, success floor, their efficiency, move the ball a little better, and retain a lot of their explosiveness from last year. Hopkins and McBride as a backfield I, is, is underrated in the G5 and maybe in the nation as just a duo there. Pretty pretty good there. Hopkins averaging, uh, excuse me, McBride averaging 6.7 yards per attempt, 11 touchdowns, two fumbles. Pretty good, pretty good through six games uh, or so. And um, uh, overall, um, the, the passing game from UAB has been pretty explosive as well. They are 43rd in offensive success rate, but 18th in EPA per pass. So when you see that EPA per play number higher than the success rate number, you know that they're more explosive. Run game, uh, you know, about equal efficiently and explosive there, 23rd overall. Um, Western Kentucky's rush defense is, is not great, 75th in EPA per play. So definitely some room to be exploited, especially if Western Kentucky has to make any concessions in the secondary, whether that's bringing an extra guy up in, whether that's changing their front. I think that this... Um, is going to be a little bit of a pick-your-poison situation. Can Western Kentucky defend uh, McBride well enough in the run to not get torched by Hopkins in the pass game? I think it's going to be really interesting there. On the flip side, um, UAB's defense is pretty bad with explosive rushing. They've given up some explosive runs. They're 112th at EPA per rush. They're 96th in rushing success rate. So they're allowing some efficiency there. Western Kentucky is 87th in rushing success rate on offense. They're 94th in EPA per play on offense for rushes. I don't think they have the tools to exploit that. Uh, I don't think they have the necessary tools to exploit that 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 discrepancy there. Um, and lastly, you know, UAB 53rd on 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 late downs EPA. They're 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 gonna stop you on third downs. 84th on late downs EPA for uh, Western Kentucky there. So I think this UAB defense should be pretty frustrating for the Western Kentucky offense. And the Western Kentucky defense could have a really long day if they can't figure out how to toe the line between uh, defending the run and the path. These two explosive units that UAB's offense has. 
Uh, you you hit exactly what I was wanting to hit. Did here. I pass? I was so nervous, yes, Gary. Yes. I wanted to say it. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you did. You most certainly did. Kyle, let's move it over to you. Uh, talking about the trends here, UAB 7-1 and one against the spread against winning teams in their last eight. They are 6-2 and two against the spread their last eight on the road. Western Kentucky, on the other hand, 5-1 and one against the spread against the, excuse me, against the spread against winning teams. Uh, so the trends go both ways here. These are two very good football teams. Uh, but exactly what Parker was discussing is uh, there are some things that UAB does that Western Kentucky, I don't believe, can defend. On the other hand, uh, the biggest thing, Parker, that I was you know wanting to, to get out of you is UAB's secondary is sneaky, really, really good. They have dealt with some good offenses that throw the football a lot the same way that Western Kentucky does. I think it's a major advantage in this game. Kyle, which direction would you maybe be looking in this ballgame? I mean, I think you made some great points here already, but uh, man, I, I wish Bill Clark was still going to be the coach here for UAB. Uh, I, I'd definitely be one to take UAB in this spot. Clark was great as an underdog, though I think, to be honest, uh, UAB probably wouldn't be getting two and a half points if Clark was still there, because I think <laughs> they would have been better so far this year. Um, so uh, similar schedules faced. I know UAB's played a bad schedule, but so has Western Kentucky. Um, 2.19 yards per play margin, um, plus 2.19 for UAB and plus 1.85 for Western Kentucky. Western Kentucky is so reliant on the pass. If you look at their conference action, 62.2% of their pass uh, or their plays are passing plays. And UAB's strength is clearly their secondary. I mean, they're a very good secondary every year. This might not be the very best secondary they've had, but it's a good one. Uh, they bothered Kyle Van Trees and that Georgia Southern passing attack a lot. Uh, I think they can uh, slow down Western Kentucky some as well. Um, they actually rank second at PFF and coverage grade. I, that seems pretty high, but they're certainly a good pass defense. And UAB, I think McBride is way underrated. I think he is very good. Uh, you know, the run defense numbers look pretty good for Western Kentucky, but I started looking through them. I mean, who have they played? That, that's a good running attack. I mean, nobody really. I mean, Indiana's kind of a big name team, but they're not a good offense. Uh, this is the best one they've played yet as far as rushing attacks. So we'll see if they can stop it. UAB 124th in tempo, Western Kentucky top 25 tempo. So who controls the pace? I think UAB wants to run, uh, keep Western Kentucky off the field some. The total is just a couple points higher than I made it, so uh, nothing strong there. I do lean UAB, and if you take UAB, you probably want to at least put some of it on the money line because, you know, at plus two and a half, that would definitely be the way I'd want to look. I agree with you. I think the wrong team is favored here. I'm going to make it official. I am riding with the Blazers here. Give me UAB plus two and a half. I think they win the game outright. Number two coverage grade at PFF for that secondary. The number seven tackling grade. So all those crazy uh, plays that Austin Reed will do trying to get outside of the pocket, etc. I don't think are going to be as easy against this defense. And yeah, give me McBride. Averaging nearly seven yards per rush on the season. I mean, he has been an absolute juggernaut. I like UAB in this spot. I think they win the game outright, so we'll make that one official for me. Moving along, we have got a really fun one in the ACC. Syracuse, undefeated on the season. This one, of course, is Saturday, October 22nd. Heads to Clemson, South Carolina at Memorial Stadium, and Clemson is a 13.5-point favorite. The total sits at 51, latest numbers at BetUS. Clemson won at Syracuse last year. 17 to 14. Now, Kyle, I'm going to start with you here. Syracuse is one and eight straight up in their last nine. 
against Clemson, but they are six and three against the number. They tend to cover these bigger numbers. And now typically they're bigger than this, but of course Syracuse has looked really, really good so far this season. For Syracuse, the name of the game is defense. I mean, they're number three in PPA per drive since week number three, number 20 tackling grade at PFF, number eight in havoc rate. Not too shabby. Clemson has looked good, but they have been through a gauntlet here over the past four weeks or so. Uh, Kyle, what are you looking at when it comes to the Orange and the Tigers? I mean, Syracuse, uh, I, I will say start, starting off, when I looked at this initially, I thought I might be wanting to take Clemson or would lean Clemson. And then when I started looking more into this game, uh, you know, even separate from my power ratings number, like I've said before, it's not just, you know, what I'm just going to blindly take. I want to look at the matchups. Um, it really surprises me how good Cle- or, uh, Syracuse has been this year. 6-0, and perfect 6-0, and 216-79, uh, they've outscored their opponents. Not saying they've played a great schedule, but that's really impressive. Uh, Clemson coming off a good win at FSU. They did quote-unquote lose the box score in that one. FSU's been the box score winner and uh, misleading final score team so far this year. But FSU did put up a lot of yards and points in that fourth quarter, and sometimes the box score can be misleading as well. So um, Syracuse, 88th strength of schedule at Sagarin. Clemson, 61st, so a little bit of a difference. But Syracuse with a plus 2.05 yards per play margin, which is super impressive, ninth in the country. Clemson plus 1.02, which is 31st in the country. Really surprising to see a team uh, laying this many points that has that much worse of a yards per play margin. Now, guys, I do want to say, how much do we trust Darth Strader in this one? I mean, this is a guy who, uh, he's good. I'm not saying he's a bad quarterback, but he has been, uh, you know, so up and down, and you never know exactly what you're going to get from Garrett Schrader. Uh, Clemson, 8.14 tackles per loss uh, for loss per game, and Q's 6.67. Both teams could get behind the sticks in this one. Uh, the, the tempo for Syracuse has been much slower than I expected this year. Clemson's efficiency in the red zone is just insane so far this year. 35 trips in the red zone, 35 scores, 26 touchdowns, 74.3%. This is fantastic, but this has to regress toward the mean at some point. Uh, Clemson's offense is not that good. You know, this is not, like I said before, the LSU offense from a few years ago with Burrow and Chase and the, and the group. Uh, you know, as I look at this game more, I lean Syracuse. You know, this is quite a few points. Uh, I think I would bet the under if I were forced to bet a total, uh, even though both of these are pretty close to my number. Uh, Clemson is a good team. But Clemson's metrics don't uh, look like a team that would be, you know, I I think Clemson would be a pretty big underdog against the other top teams in the country, even though they've been playing pretty well here. So Syracuse, that defense, White's done a great job. I think he's a fantastic coordinator. Uh, So I'm going to lean Syracuse here. Like I said, I still don't trust Schrader that much, so I'm a bit bit hesitant. Where where did you get Darth Schrader from? (laughs) That is absolutely (laughs) fantastic. Uh, but I do agree with you. What he has done in Robert and I's offense has just been uh, insane, just wonderful. The fact that Beck, the quarterback coach, has taken him, who who could really not throw the ball at all when he was at Mississippi State, and really in his first season last year at Syracuse, all they did was really run him. They tried to do some things uh, outside the pocket, but they have completely shifted this offense and made it incredibly successful. I mean, you mentioned Sean Tucker, just a phenomenal, phenomenal running back. Um, 
while Clemson has been through the gauntlet the last four weeks, Syracuse has had a bye in there. Uh, they have played NC State, but they didn't have to play them with uh, uh, Devin Leary, the quarterback. Uh, Parker, you know, we'll move this over to you. Uh, Kyle mentioned the yards per play advantage, uh, the margin, right? Uh, yards per play margin advantage for Syracuse. Uh, PPA margin advantage for Syracuse, number two against number 32 over the last four weeks. And now part of that has to do with the schedule, for sure. But, you know, this is a sleepy Saturday morning spot at home for Clemson. They're finally coming home after three of the last four were on the road. You know, does that defensive line dominate Syracuse here, or do we think that Dino maybe has this thing on track? What are you looking at, Parker? I do not have any delusions about Syracuse winning this game. Um, I think they'll be competitive for a little bit, and I think that'll be enough. I do think that uh, under is is the interesting play here for me, which makes me lean towards Syracuse with 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 double digits. And I've talked myself into it. One of the biggest things that I've talked myself into is I don't believe this season, have not believed that Syracuse is like a real live football team. I'm just like, man, circumstantial. You know, Aiden O'Connell made a dumb play, and that's why they beat Purdue. That's why they're undefeated. And we don't have, you know, we don't have the answer to the question: Is Syracuse good? Because, um, yeah, Schrader is just up and down. But last week against a really good NC State defense, 65-yard touchdown, 71-yard touchdown, 78-yard touchdown, 65-yard touchdown, there were no gimmies there. They just lined up and moved the ball. And yeah, there's some big plays. There's some penalties that help with that. But I was really impressed. I, I really was expecting that to look a little more gimmicky against uh, NC State than it did this season. Uh, I think Clemson really has has been content to get up and then just kind of sit and and like, you know, I wonder if they're not worried about depth and health and just saying we just need to do as little possible to win and save ourselves for the playoffs when we're going to have to actually play four quarters of meaningful football here. But um, Syracuse's offense, 13th in EPA per pass, 28th in EPA per rush. Clemson, 13th in EPA per rush. 39th in EPA per pass. So some symmetry kind of inversion there for the offense defense. I think that'll be interesting to see how Clemson keys in on Sean Tucker, who is the most involved player in college football. Over 50% of Syracuse's touches, that's targets and running attempts, go through Sean Tucker. He is everywhere on the field. Um, if I'm Clemson, I'm trying to bottle him up and I'm trying to make Schrader make a play. Um, and, and so I think that um, th there's going to be an explosive ceiling kind of on what Syracuse can do, but the pace is going to be really slow. And I think that they've consistently shown they can create opportunities for explosive plays. And if you're trying to make explosive plays, having, you know, a little bit of dynamite at quarterback, whether, whether you get blown up sometimes, I think it's still a good thing here. So if, if Syracuse gets this, uh, you know, if they're going to, if they're going to win this game, they're going to have just uh, absolutely a couple absurd plays there, but Syracuse has been really balanced on early downs and late downs, 25th on early downs, EPA ninth on, on late downs EPA. So it's not like they're, you know, just kind of skating by here and there. They have been pretty consistent on offense. The one thing that makes me nervous is Clemson's uh, offense is 53rd in EPA per rush, but Syracuse's defense is 111th. So I think Clemson can run against this team. I think they'll win. Absolutely. But I do think because of pace and because of Syracuse's offensive explosiveness potential, they're going to break off a couple stupid plays. I think this should be within uh, within that two score round. Absolutely. I I agree with you. Absolutely. I will take Syracuse to cover the 13 and a half. Clemson has a bye week next week, and then they face Notre Dame after that. And then, of course, they close with Louisville, Miami and South Carolina. Uh, but this is, you know, you get through the gauntlet and you finally get to come back home and it's one of those sleepy noon games, you know, at home. And eh, maybe you're not as up for that game as maybe you should be. Uh, I look at this and while DJU is incredibly efficient, 17 touchdowns, two picks. Uh, I think that there are ways that Syracuse can exploit 
that defense for Clemson, number 69 and explosive plays allowed um, for the, the pass defense. I, I think that there's ways that Syracuse can stay in this game and certainly make it closer, and I don't think the Clemson is going to try and run away from them. So that's the biggest thing for me. Parker, you and I agree. We'll make it official. Syracuse plus 13.5 at Clemson. I think it's going to be a lower-scoring, tight ball game. Uh, I like. I don't know that Syracuse wins the game for sure, but I think they hang in there, and that's uh, that's all we got to do to get a cover. All right, moving right along, we're moving over to the Big Ten, and yes, we have got Iowa at Ohio State. The Buckeyes, a 29-point favorite at home, total of 49 and a half. Of course, latest numbers at BetUS. 12 p.m. Eastern Time on Fox for this one. The last time these two teams met. Kyle, I don't believe that I need to remind you, 55-24, to 24, Iowa won in 2017. Now, that one was at... Iowa Kinnick. scored 55 points. Are you sure about that? <laughs> this was a long time ago with a quarterback that is now far, far away. Uh, <laughs> Iowa is 1-3 straight up in their last four against Ohio State. They are 3-0-1 against the spread against Ohio State since 2009. It does seem a long time ago, right? I, it was, I don't know that Brian Ferentz was the uh, – I don't think he was the offensive coordinator at that point. Um, but if you remember, it wasn't a lot of offensive scores, Kyle. Am I mistaken on this one? I think there were multiple interceptions and fumbles returned for touchdowns and all sorts of mayhem. But uh, this is a, a slightly different scenario here. Uh, Parker, we're actually going to start with you on this. Uh, this Iowa offense will never be able to score enough points to stay in this game. Uh, from what I have seen, I just don't believe that they can muster anything to really find a way to win this ball game. Now, on the other hand, their defense, could they find a way to hold Ohio State under 29 points? Could they find a way to hold them to 35 points and maybe you get a, uh, a special teams touchdown or something along those lines? Is there a way that Iowa could maybe uh, cover this spread? What, what do you think between the Hawkeyes and the Buckeyes here? I mean, 29 points is a whole lot, and Iowa is absolutely going to muck this thing up, right? Iowa is going to try and lay on the ground as long as possible between plays, run the play clock. Like, we're going to go, we're just going to go maximize variance, minimize plays here for Iowa. That's that's their best shot here. Um, I think if you're looking for reasons that Iowa could cover, you're going to talk about how they're 19th in starting field position on offense. They are ninth in starting field position allowed on defense. Iowa, um, excuse me, Ohio State is actually 126th in starting field position on offense. doesn't matter. They can still score their first in EPA per play margin, their first in EPA offense. But, you know, if Iowa can leverage the, um, the the field position differential, make Ohio State go down the field and march down the field and take these long drives and not just, you know, chuck it up in the air, um, they're fifth in EPA per pass. So I think they could put up a formidable pass defense. What I'm actually worried about for Iowa is, um, I don't know if anyone's noticed, but Ohio State has a stable of very good running backs. Between Travion Henderson, uh, Mayan Williams, and, uh, and Halliday has gotten involved there too, has been really good so they're second in epa per rush iowa is only 64th in epa per rush again a big split so you think maybe their passing defense hasn't really been as tested as much and so there'll be some compensating there but um ohio state should score every bit of points that they want here i i have this really close to this 29 line i have ohio, ohio state about 45 iowa 15 16 points so i don't have a strong lean either way i would really really hesitate to bet on iowa in this spot just because you, you don't trust their offense, and you know Ryan Day is going to say, hey, 
fair catch. Don't like, don't field punts. We're not going to give, I, we're not going to give them any way to beat us besides lining up and playing, you know, down to down offense versus defense full strength. Cause that benefits Ohio state. So um, uh, again, really big line against a really good defense. And, and I, I don't have a strong play just because uh, again, I just can't in good conscience give any of my money to uh, the friends administration and, and, and hope they'll do anything good with it. <laughs> I I'm with you. I'm with you. Uh, yeah, like you just talked about, as far as special teams, don't even field it. Don't field a single kick. Learn something from Alabama last week in Knoxville. Don't even get close to the ball, and and nothing bad can happen at that point. Uh, Kyle, we'll move it over to you. Ohio State is 3-0-1 against the spread in their last four. They have certainly turned this thing around. Uh, I have it. My notes say they are officially the death machine. They are a chainsaw tornado, if you will. Henderson, JSN, both back playmakers everywhere. Uh, they're number one defensive points per play. They are, uh, excuse me, they are number one in uh, uh, PPA per drive on offense, number six on defense. Uh, they're just absurd. Everything about Ohio State is absurd. Uh, they're number one in standard and passing downs PPA. They don't turn the ball over. Uh, there's no weaknesses that we've seen. Now, obviously, the schedule maybe plays into that a little bit, but this is there's nothing that I can find here that leads me to believe that Iowa has any kind of a chance in this ball game. What are you looking at when you see this? What what advantages do you maybe see for Iowa that I am not seeing? I mean, Ohio State's defense is much improved from last year, but I still think there's some question if Ohio State um, will do well against a really good offensive line. Iowa's not that team. You know, you think Michigan, you know, is Michigan going to be able to run on them? Uh, you know, we'll talk about that later. But, you know, when you say how many advantages does Iowa have, I think special teams. And I mean, that's just it. You know, I mean, Iowa's defense is really good. You know, you could argue Iowa's defense is better than Ohio State's. They probably are. Um, the run defense has been beatable at times, though. The secondary is tremendous. So you got strength on strength, Ohio State's uh, passing game against Iowa's uh, pass defense, but as Parker mentioned, I think there's at least some chance that Ohio State doesn't have to throw for a lot of yards as much as they have in a lot of the other games here. Travion Henderson is excellent. Mayan Williams is good, um, and, and yes, Hayden has been good as well. So I think this is a uh, Ohio State offense that is getting very good offensive line play right now. Uh, there's a lot of holes there. Uh, this is uh, it's hard to overstate how bad this Iowa uh, offense has been. They've been so bad. They've been bad in recent years, but I think they're taking it to, to a new level this year. Um, Iowa with 48 plays of 10 yards or more in six games. I mean, only 10 yards. Ohio State has 110. Uh, and there's a, there's several teams with more than that. You know, 48 plays of 10 yards or more. This is not, you know, 30 or 40-yard plays. Uh, Iowa's defense is the real deal, and I really do feel bad for Iowa's defense because, I mean, it's, it's tough on them. They have a lot of pressure on them because there's going to be so many three-and-outs or uh, turnovers, and then they get put in bad spots. Uh, you know, Stroud and these great wide receivers against Iowa will be kind of fun to see. Uh, looks like Smith and Jigba will probably play for this one. He's been out. It's crazy to think, honestly, Smith and Jigba is definitely their best wide receiver, and he's been out basically the entire season. Uh, Brian Hartline at this point is the gold standard for wide receiver coaches, certainly. Uh, you know, to me, the way that Iowa stays competitive in this game is just a ton of fluke plays. You know, uh, special teams, like you said, you know, there's got to be like somebody goes to try to pick up the ball that shouldn't have. Or, uh, you know, like you said, they'd be better off just not fielding a punt, fielding a kickoff. Uh, Stroud pick six or two, maybe something like that. 
Uh, it was Ference's first year as OC in 2017 when they did that. Uh, Nate Stanley was the quarterback, 55 points, almost 500 yards. So, yeah, there was a lot of fluke plays <laughs> that led to uh, points, but there also was a lot of offense. That seems so long ago. And uh, I'm going to tell you, I don't give out locks very often, but I was not going to win 55-24 in this one. So uh, uh, minus, as far as minus 29 on the line, what do you do with that, guys? I mean, minus 29 is so hard to bet here. I don't like laying 29 points against a good defense. Iowa, you know, will play hard. Uh, you know, I don't think Ohio State will just move against this Iowa defense like they have against some teams. But how many is Iowa going to score? I mean, this is hard. I think I would probably bet the over if I were forced to bet something here, thinking Ohio State will get their points. Iowa might get some of those points right at the end. You remember against Michigan, Iowa got a bunch of yards and scored right with like seven seconds left or something like yeah. that. And then after the game, you say, oh, you know, uh, Petras had a half-decent game for him. And it's like he had like 80 yards on the last drive or something like that. So <laughs> uh, I think this is a very hard game to bet. So I'm not going to make an official play, but... Uh, I would lean to the over if I bet anything. Well, tell me, tell me this, Kyle. Is there any chance of a look ahead for Ohio State because they haven't exactly played, you know, a really, really difficult schedule? When I'm looking at it, somebody in the chat said, uh, "Let's play a game. What is the best win on Ohio State's?" Re-? And I, I guess it's Notre Dame or may it, the the best win might be Toledo. Uh, to be completely well, honest, <laughs> yeah, Notre Dame, Arkansas State, Toledo, Wisconsin, Rutgers, and Michigan State. Like it's. Not exactly a a bunch of great teams there, but this might be a slight look ahead to going to Penn State next week. Maybe. Uh, That's the only thing that I can see is maybe they're not fully focused. But if they are focused, uh, this could be lights out for Iowa. Now, I would imagine exactly what Parker was saying. They're going to... They're going to squat on the ball, and they are going to take their time getting up, and they're going to wait all 10 seconds to substitute. And every which way that you can shorten this game, I'm sure that I was going to try and do that. Sure. Uh, but we have we have no official uh, play on this one, so we do have we do have leans, etc. But uh, but no official play on this. We do have a couple more games that we want to hit before we get into the Q and A. Let me remind everybody: like the video if you would so kindly. We're over 150 as far as likes. Uh, If you've not already done so, it looks like this. It's a little thumbs up button right down there. Go ahead and hit that. That helps us out tremendously. And make sure that you are subscribed to the channel. We know that there are a ton of people that watch this that are not actually subscribed. By hitting the subscribe button, that helps us out quite a bit. We're trying to get to 10,000. Go ahead and do that. Hit the notification bell. It's going to let you know when we go live. And that is every Tuesday and Wednesday at 1 p.m. Eastern time. Along with that, there is the podcast. Of course, that feed is the BetUS football show. That's both NFL and college. All of your picks, all of your breakdowns for the entire week, both sports. Yeah, I guess there are two different sports, I guess. But regardless, all of that in one feed. Make sure that you... Uh, subscribe on the podcast and leave a nice review. Now, gentlemen, uh, oh, of course, jump into the uh, chat for the Q&A. Any questions that you have, we will hit after these next two games. Let's go ahead and dive into the American Athletic Conference. Houston, minus three. That's right, a three-point road favorite at Navy. Total sits at 51. The latest numbers at BetUS. Memorial Stadium in Annapolis. It's a 12 p.m. Eastern time kick on ESPNU. Houston won this game last year 28-20. to they are five and two straight up, four and three against the spread in their last seven against Navy. So this is, as far as the spread goes, back and forth, back and forth, et cetera. Houston, 11 and four against the spread on the road against losing teams. They find a way to cover against teams that aren't hot winners. Navy, however, 
trending in the right direction. Got us a nice cover last week. Not too shabby. I know it was backdoor, but when you got a bad defense, anything is possible, right? Navy 4-0 against the spread in their last four overall. This Navy offense had to resort to the pass last week against SMU, and it worked. I don't know how sustainable that is. I don't know how replicable that is. Um, but yeah, lost 40-34. Thir- to 34. The defense could not match up with SMU's wide receivers. They gave up 16.8 yards per catch. I would imagine it's something very similar uh, that Houston will be doing with Tank Dell, etc. And I trust Doug Belk here to have a game plan that actually works. Kyle, I'm going to start with you. Uh, the offense for Houston, number 42 PPA per pass in the last four weeks. They've certainly improved uh, over the past few weeks. I, I see, you know, Navy not great as far as sack percentage. They can't really get pressure on the quarterback, etc. cetera. Uh, the defense is not great for them. What are you seeing when you look at these two teams? I was looking at the total and being surprised that it's dropped so much here. You know, 51 is getting pretty, pretty low for this game. And Navy's defense is not good against the pass. And we've talked about before, a lot of these military schools are used to playing the triple option. Uh, when they face a good team that, that's good at throwing the ball, they do struggle. Who on Navy's team is going to be able to defend Tank Dell? I mean, I don't think anybody's going to have much of any chance there. No, no, no. Uh, no. But yeah, <laughs> we're definitely a shout out to Navy Midshipmen for a tremendous cover last week. I mean, they, they, those guys do not quit. We know that. And they proved that last week. Uh, Lavatai was throwing some good balls, even ones that weren't caught last week. I thought he was not getting great re- receiver play in that one, and still they had some pretty good numbers. Uh, I guess the question is, did Houston save its season with that win, uh, come behind win against Memphis, or was that kind of just a blip? Uh, this Houston team was a big disappointment for a long time. I, I think this one sets up as a game that probably has more points than what uh, the total would imply now. I was just looking. The weather doesn't look bad on this one. Uh, Navy is 130th in preventing big plays or explosion on defense. Uh, Navy plays at a slow pace and doesn't face as many snaps, but yet they've still given up 17 plays of 30 yards or more, which is definitely a high number. Uh, I I think Houston's defense, uh, some people think they're what they were the last couple of years, and they're a good defense or at least a decent defense, but they're not what they were in the past couple of years. Uh, I think uh, Dell has a big game. I think Navy can move the football at least some here. I, I have a pretty strong lean to the over in this one. And uh, on, on the side, I don't know. I'm, I'm going to let uh, Gary give his play on this one because I, I honestly don't have any lean on this one on the side. Uh, before I give out my play, let me go on and give Parker in here. Uh, we, we've watched Houston be all kinds of different things over the past you know, six, seven weeks trying to figure out exactly what they are. They've played three overtime games. They had the big comeback against Memphis a couple of weeks ago. Uh, that Friday night game, you know, I, 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 I wonder if it is a season-saving thing like Kyle mentioned there, but I, I see this team and I see a ton of talent on offense that I don't think Navy's going to be able to keep up with. And on the other side, while the defense is not great, I certainly think that they are better and have more pieces and uh, I believe a better defensive mind in Doug Belk than what SMU had. Uh, what what do you see out of this ballgame? Yeah, I mean, one, uh, I have to say it again. Shout out to the Navy cover. That was like, I mean, that was complete <laughs> junk so ball. And it was awesome. Um, and uh, and we were just all along for the ride. I just, we were texting about it. That was very funny uh, last Friday. Um, yeah, the, the, the big issue for me there is like, I don't know what SMU was doing against Navy. They ran the ball 21 times and they should have just thrown the ever loving bejesus out of the ball against Navy and they would have 
scored. I mean, they won. That's fine. They scored 40 points, but like they could have dropped 60, I think. Um, Navy 20th in passing or 20th in rushing success rate allowed, but 105th in passing success rate allowed. 131 last in the FBS in uh, pass uh, EPA per pass defense. There not very good at all. I will agree that uh, Ty Lavatai played pretty well last week. He was a uh, 55% adjusted completion percentage. He had two drops, and when you consider this average depth of target is 16.1 yards, I mean he's chucking it and getting you a 50-50 ball. That's pretty. That's pretty great. So um, absolutely doing what he needs to there. They they did get. I do think that 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 last touchdown kind of inflates their their metrics a little bit. Um, I just I. I, I Everything I have says to bet Houston here. I just don't trust them. They're 39th in defense. I think uh, they're they're 68th in, in EPA per play on rush defense, but they're 41st in EPA per pass. So I think they can, you know, stack the box. Should have no problem separating from Houston or separating from from Navy here. Um, I I think they'll pass a lot more than SMU did last week. They're 48th in uh, rush rate over expected. So should be moving the ball pretty consistently through the air. I think that only benefits them because they can exploit their talent advantage there. I don't want to I don't want to play a scheme game about whether. I can execute, um, you know, uh, anything. I just want to say, hey, my fast guys against Navy are going to be faster than the guys on Navy. I want to set that up. So I think Houston's offense is well poised to do that. I think they'll score some. I think that they're in a spot where if they can um, get a big lead, they want to do that for some maybe face-saving um, purposes, if I'm saying that delicately. So, um, but yeah, so everything I have says bet Houston. I just, I just don't trust them this season. They're too in and out. It just doesn't feel like a... Um, for, for me, I don't know that I can pull the trigger. This might be a pizza money situation. Um, but, but generally, I mean, Houston's the better team. Just is Houston going to show up is the big question for me. Ain't no pizza money for me, brother. In this situation, I am riding Houston. Doing it. I think, I think Houston should be favored by a touchdown here. That's how much I buy into this. They have had 15 days since their last game and when this game will be played. You give Doug Belk that kind of time. And remember, Navy's last two opponents that they have had success against have both talked in the week leading up to the game about how they couldn't really replicate what Navy was trying to do on offense, et cetera, et cetera. In 15 days, you're going to be able to figure out something. I trust Doug Belk. I trust this Houston defense to be able to get some kind of stops there. They did it at the end of the game against Memphis. That's a much more explosive team than what Navy is doing. And yes, while I understand Navy runs something completely different, they have had success against Navy in the past. I think they'll do the same thing here. I like Houston to cover the three. I'll make it official. Riding with the Cougs. Give me Dana Holgerson in some Red Bull. I'm all in. All right. We got another fun game. Big 12 matchup. Last one that we got to hit. West Virginia heads to Texas Tech. Lubbock is going to be hopping. Jones AT&T Stadium Texas Tech is a seven-point home favorite. Total sits at 68.5. Latest numbers at BetUS. It's 3 p.m. Eastern time on FS1. West Virginia is coming off of a 43-40 to win over Baylor. And, you know, they got a couple of extra days to prep here. West Virginia's pass defense, not great. Number 118 PPA per pass, number 51 PPA per rush. Uh, the pass offense should be able to have some kind of success here. They're number 16 in success rate. Uh, Texas Tech won this game last year, 23-20. to 20. Kyle, I want to start with you on this. Texas Tech, 3-0 and straight up and against the spread their last three against West Virginia. Joey McGuire gets to host them for the first time. The Mountaineers, after that big win over Baylor last week, feels like they might be trending in the right direction. Eh, I'm not sure even really what to think about this. Uh, Kyle, give me, give me some pointers on, on the Red Raiders and the Mountaineers. 
Yeah, uh, West Virginia is a tough team to figure out, in my opinion. Uh, I'm looking forward to what Parker has to say about this. I know he knows the Big 12 really well. I, I want to start by saying, too, that the long-range forecast uh, says a lot of wind in this game, you know, about 20 miles per hour. That could be really significant. Um, I've said this before, but Tuesday to Saturday is a bit of a big stretch to to want to bet something solely on that. But you, you want to pay attention to that. You know, if you're betting something like over, you know, up upper 60s, uh, you know, I'd be cautious about doing something like that because if that comes to fruition, I think it does two things. It, it lowers the scoring environment. It also helps West Virginia, in my opinion, because West Virginia is the team that wants to run, um, and Texas Tech hasn't been very good stopping the run. West Virginia's pass defense is the big problem for them. They're 117th in success rate allowed, um, and the secondary has been a big problem. I think they could use a windy day. You know, that would be a nice uh, benefit for them. And, uh, you know, West Virginia's offense has improved pretty nicely. Uh, Graham Harrell's an excellent offensive coordinator. I think that was a really good hire. Uh, they can run the ball well. And and the Texas Tech run defense is kind of intriguing to me because they looked good for the first several weeks. And I'm like, I, I don't think these guys are actually that good. Now they've allowed 5.74 yards per carry in the Big 12. Uh, you know, so maybe this is the true Texas Tech run defense showing up. Um, you know, in, in general, West Virginia overs are something I want to bet. But like I said, I hate to bet an over with with wind like this. That game got nuts between West Virginia and Baylor. I mean, that, that thing made very little sense, but it was also fun. So we appreciate games like that. Uh, that's what's so great about college football, these crazy games. But I, in this one, I don't really have a strong lean. Uh, I think I would probably take the points with West Virginia if I was forced to play something here. Uh, Texas Tech, not a team that I'd love laying points with. I think they'll have a lot of close games. And I think the Texas Tech defense um, year-to-date stats are probably overrating them. So uh, West Virginia could be helped by the weather. Let's see what happens as it gets later in the week. But uh, not not a strong lean for me, but I'll lean to West Virginia. I, I tend to feel the same way. This thing has moved just a ton. Uh, it opened at four, and it's all the way out to seven now. And, uh, you know, the total has sat the same, 68 and a half. It just hadn't really moved a whole lot. Uh, you look at the trends, you know, Texas Tech is 1-7-1 and one against the spread after a spread win, and West Virginia is 1-4 and four against the spread after a spread win. So both of these teams coming off of uh, against the spread wins, and they don't normally do so well. So I'm, I'm real curious. Uh, Parker, you know, I, I look at these numbers. Texas Tech is number one in FBS in fourth down attempts per game. They average five fourth down attempts in every game. They, they are really leaning to the analytics on this, uh, at least I would assume. I, I think that Joey McGuire uh, would totally be the kind of guy that just is a feel guy, but he tends to have guys that are looking at the numbers as well. Uh, West Virginia is number 99 in fourth down conversion defense. I wonder if maybe that's playing into this line move a little bit. Um, give me some thoughts here. I, I'm just a little confused as to why there's so much love for Texas Tech in this one. Yeah, quick quick side note. Texas Tech was actually second in the Big 12 in total fourth down attempts last year, too. Um, so I know that they've been, you know, talking a lot and and, and McGuire's gotten a lot of access, but they've gone for fourth down a bunch um, recently as well. So just interesting to see kind of the, the disposition when you're a little bit better and you're in games more. It, it feels a little bit better to go fourth down, <laughs> uh, go for it on fourth down relative to, you know, in blowouts. But, um, OK, so Tyler Shuck might be playing. I think he's healthy uh, from what I've heard. Look, reading the tea leaves, you know, I, I don't think I'm breaking news there. We're hearing if he's cleared today. It doesn't necessarily matter to me because Tyler Shuck is not going to be involved in stopping Tony Mathis. Tony Mathis, the West Virginia running back, 
22, 22 carries last week, 7.4 yards per attempt against Baylor, against the Dave Aranda defense. Now, um, uh, Blake Shapin was out, and um, that is kind of, you know, that that had something to do with the results of the game in the second half there, but Blake Shapin does involve on defense here. So I think Mathis is really figuring out this, this run game and, and what West Virginia wants to do. As we've said before, West Virginia's uh, offensive line has gotten better uh, kind of since the second half of last season. They've been improving um, and they're blocking pretty well. They're third in, uh, excuse me, 37th in rush rate over expected. So without, you know, without running super heavily, they're able to be pretty effective in the run game. 41st in EPA per rush, uh, 57th in success rate. So they've got that explosive dimension there. Um, West Virginia is also getting quality possessions at just an insane rate. 17th uh, in the nation in quality possession rate. They're, they're a little bit, um, uh, poor at finishing those drives, 41st, but Texas Tech, 70th in, in uh, equal rate allowed, 86th in points per quality possession there as well. One thing that I think is really big is Texas Tech has benefited from field position. They're third in starting field position on offense. Um, and so they've been kind of advantageous situations, helped to to be ahead of the, uh, you know, shorter fields and everything there. Um, if they can exploit that against West Virginia, maybe they'll score some. But I just don't see them being a, a, a seven-point team better than the West Virginia team we saw last week against Baylor, even in the first half. Now, West Virginia did get some help last week. But kind of looking at the fundamentals of how they moved the ball on offense and how their defense was was good, I think that they'll, they'll be able to stop Texas Tech's running attack, really put a lot of pressure on the quarterback and those Texas Tech wide receivers who are – Interesting and eclectic, but maybe not a good group of players. Um, West Virginia's defense, 126th in EPA per pass, but Texas Tech's offense is only 82nd. So if Shuck doesn't play and you get this at seven, awesome, all the better. But it, even if he does play, um, you know, West, it, it, it's it's. I don't know that the quarterback changes things huge in a huge amount there just because they're going to have to run the ball as well, and I'm not sure they'll be able to do that. So um, I, I have Texas Tech slightly favored. Most of that is home field advantage, but I really do like West Virginia coming on strong the last week, getting kind of a good a good moral victory and an actual victory. Um, and and I think they'll be able to run against this Texas Tech team in a way that Tech uh, will not be able to kind of handle. If you get low possessions here, if, if there's any kind of learning curve with the quarterback coming in and trying to um, assimilate with the offense, that's going to be problematic as well. So give me uh, West Virginia and to cover. Uh, the screen was going all kind of crazy. I don't know if I just ranted for three minutes and you guys didn't no, hear no, that. Good. I hope we're good there. <laughs> Official play, West Virginia 7-7 uh, seven, seven is, is my pick. I I can understand it. And and here, you know, a little stat that you can't really quantify with advanced analytics, really, because there might be a little luck involved with it. Uh, Texas Tech is number 123 in giveaways per game. West Virginia is only number 44 in that spot. So that's not just one player. That is the entire team is not great at ball security. Could certainly lean West Virginia's way in that one. So official play, Parker rides with West Virginia. Hey, uh, take me home, buddy. Take me home. I can get down with it. All right. We are headed to Q&A. Before we get there, we are ever so close to 200 likes. Let's go ahead and get that thing done. Hit the like button for us and make sure that you are subscribed. We're trying to get to 10K by the end of the day. That's right. I, I rhymed. I think I could rap. I'm not sure. Uh, but regardless, uh, go ahead and hit us with the subscribe button. Make sure that you hit the notification bell Tuesdays and Wednesdays, 1 p.m. Eastern time, right here. Now. Let's get to it. Let's get to the Q&A. Uh, Scott Young, we're going to start off with this one. Marshall James Madison. Do we have any thoughts? Uh, Kyle, would you like to take the James Madison question? How do you feel about JMU after last week? 
Sure. I, th I think um, Georgia Southern with a nice win there against JMU and Marshall looks terrible. I mean, it is hard to believe that this team beat Notre Dame. I mean, I, I'm counting Marshall's season win total over a loss. I mean, it's, I don't see it's how really, this team... It's funny for you to say that after uh, last week with, you know, Stanford going in and beating Notre Dame. <laughs> oh, jeez. But it, it's, I mean, Marshall looked that bad against Louisiana, too. I mean, they switched to uh, Cam Fancher. And really, they don't have a good option. I mean, the the um, uh, his name escapes me. The old Big Twelve quarterback, Columbia, um, Henry Columbia. Yeah, Henry <laughs> Columbia. I has not really worked out great. You know, I mean, his efficiency has not been good. He had one or two good games. I think it was against uh, Bowling Green. He put up like three hundred and some yards, and then he's had other games where he can't even get to hundred yards. Very inefficient. They're wanting to run the ball consistently. James Madison's really good at stopping the run. I, I don't think Marshall's going to score very many points in that game. So. I would lean James Madison laying the points in that one. Yeah, the twelve and a half is uh, is the line on that one. I could I could totally understand that, but man, that's one of those high variance games where I don't know what Marshall is going to look like. And after last week against Georgia Southern, I don't really know what James Madison is either. I, I'm questioning everything about these teams, so I, I would probably stay away from it. But if you had to lean a certain way for Pickham or whatever else, yeah, James Madison has to be the way to go because Marshall, uh, who. Yikes. Last week, last however many weeks has been bad. Uh, William Herman, thoughts on Kent State versus Akron. Parker, we'll toss that one to you. Um, look, Kent State, 28 straight points to start off last week against Toledo and then get blown out in the game. I think it was 52-31. to 31. Uh, Akron, you know, not a great defense. I'm sure that Sean Lewis is probably going to want to score points. You, uh, you got a feel on this one? Yeah, I got to pull that one up. That one's a, that's a deep track for me. There we go. I found it. Um, <laughs> I, I think this is too many. Akron with Moorhead just doesn't quit, man. I, I think you're looking at yeah. serious backdoor potential for Akron here. And because these teams aren't really that different, like Kent State is at least good at one thing. They're good at offense. Like Andrew Souter and Sean Lewis know how to put together an offense and they're able to do that. They've got Dante Sivas, who's a really great wide receiver. So if you're looking for a reason to pick Kent State, you're like, hey, they can actually freaking score they're 51st on on offensive uh epa whereas akron's defense is 115th but on the flip side kent state's defense is actually worse than akron's they're 128th in epa per play um and and i mean akron is is going to pass a lot that's really high variance kent state has been running a lot this year so uh, 18 and a half or, or whatever this gets to it's it that just seems way too much um, for me, Akron, again, the no quit factor there under Moorhead, definitely a year zero situation. Um, I, I don't know that I would trust them as an angle, but if I, you know, gun to my head, I would say, yeah, I'm probably going to say that Akron keeps this within within three touchdowns. Yeah, I could uh, I could definitely see that. Uh, Moorhead's bunch is improving week to week. Um, man, I'll tell you what, that, that Ohio game scared me off of them quite a bit. But yeah, I, I've seen worse bets than taking Akron for sure, especially wonder... under Moorhead. This this is Rain Man. I wonder what they would look like if Zach Gibson hadn't transferred to Georgia Tech. He was like sneakily decent on a bad team yeah. last year, and I know there's political economy involved and all that. But um, obviously, Moorhead's going to get a guy, and they're going to they're going to they're going to start running. I'm just wondering about like this year specifically. If they had Gibson, they might they might be the team I want them to be. I'm not sure they're the team I want them to be right now. No, DJ Irons is the uh, is the quarterback, and I, he's not bad uh, for sure. But Gibson certainly had kind of some some things going there, but I, I am curious what he would look like in Moorhead's offense for sure. Uh, yeah, moving yeah. right along. We're real quick. Move can I say, oh, can yeah, I add yeah, real quick? Uh, sorry. Uh, I don't break in too often, but I did want to add the, uh, 
Uh, Kent State Akron game is a big rivalry game. I mean, that's the the wagon wheel game, and those two don't yep. like each other at all. I mean, you can about walk from one place to the other. So, uh, very close. Uh, I would not want to be laying a ton of points in that game. Uh, certainly, Kent State's better than Akron, but I, I think both teams will score a lot in that game. Uh, it most certainly, that total sits at sixty eight and a half. Hey Kyle, what would you do for an over on that? Like a total on that sixty eight and a half? Uh, you lean over? Yeah, I think I think my number was 71 on that one. Yeah, I, I, I kind of hate taking overs in rivalry games. Usually the defense gets up for them, but I don't think these defenses are any good. I mean, I don't know that they can get that much better. So without any kind of wind or anything, I think there would be a lot of scoring in that one. I, I tend to agree. I tend to agree. Uh, George jumps in. Tulsa minus 13 against Temple. I think Tulsa takes this one easy. Temple offense is horrible. Kyle, you got to lean on this one. Uh, Temple has been pretty, pretty bad, uh, and that defense gave up seventy to UCF last week. You, uh, you got a feel on it? Yeah, I was. Uh, the first thing I was going to say is, I said the Temple offense is terrible. What about the Temple defense? I mean, <laughs> Temple you know, defense they might worse. be worse than the offense, right? <laughs> um, I, I wouldn't want to bet Temple. I know that. You know, that's yeah. uh, that's what I know. I maybe over or Tulsa would probably be my lean either way there. Let's see. Yeah, that's sitting at 13. The total is 52 and a half. Um, I think Tulsa, you know, Davis Brin uh, can sling that thing around a little bit. Yeah, that's, I would certainly. And this is a road game. Tulsa always covers on the road, it feels like. Uh, but they are in the favorite role in this spot. So uh, Steve Lawrencell jumps in. Penn State at home at night, wide out, 110,000 people against Minnesota. How are they only giving four and a half points? It feels like it should be 21. Uh, Minnesota starting quarterback questionable. Am I missing something? Uh, Parker, I'm going to throw this one to you because we have now bet on Minnesota multiple times. They continue to fool us. Uh, last week was abysmal and an abomination and everything else that you can come up with. What, uh, what do you think about Minnesota, uh, going to Penn state? (laughs) Yeah, I want to bet against Penn State's rush defense. They're 108th in EPA per rush. They're uh, 123rd in rushing success rate. But with with uh, Morgan questionable and with Illinois kind of laying the blueprint, I thought Illinois did an amazing job. Their defense is for real. I really thought they were going to be stretched, and they really didn't have a, a, an issue kind of corralling the RPO game last week. Um, I think I'm okay saying there's a drop off from Ryan Walters to Manny Diaz, but I do think Manny Diaz is, is sharp and, and can look and see, Hey, this is how they handled it. Penn state's defense, uh, better against the pass too. So it could limit the, the section, the, 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 the pass game if the quarterback's out, but, um, yeah, with, with, with issues with Morgan, I just don't see value on either side here because you're right. The situation at home, Penn state, uh, maybe a get right game from last week, but we also saw like if somebody gets up on Penn state, it, it does look like they're not really going to, come storming back this year. Um, and so, uh, you know, if Morgan plays and, and, uh, Mo Ibrahim can get a, a big play, maybe Penn state gets a negative game script. They kind of lose it. Um, that, that was a really bad performance from, from Penn state last week, especially in the run defense. Um, and so I, I, I would not trust them to cover even with the spot at home here. Yeah. I'm, I'm looking at the reason why that line is not more is because, uh, Clifford went out of the Michigan game. Um, wow. And I don't know. So it says, uh, yeah, there's no there's no news on it as of right now. Um, you know, he went into the medical tent. Uh, it looks like it's his right shoulder. So that would be why the line is not more. But at the same time, I mean, do we think that Drew Alar would not 
maybe be able to do the exact same stuff. Uh, you know, there's a lot of experience that you're losing with Clifford, so that would, that's probably the situation there. Uh, but Parker, I agree with you. Um, yeah, it's. It, I think you now have the blueprint for how to slow down Minnesota, even with Abraham in there. Uh, throw a dog a bone. TV jumps in, fellas. Can you see any way that the committee puts three SEC schools with one loss over a one-loss Big Ten school, Ohio State or Michigan? Uh, yes, I'll answer this. Uh, yes, absolutely. If you get the scenario where Alabama wins out and Georgia uh, beats Tennessee and it's Alabama-Georgia and Alabama wins the SEC title, then you got Bama, you got Georgia with one loss in the SEC title to Alabama, and then you've got Tennessee with a win over Alabama – and say you have Ohio State and Michigan both sitting there, Ohio State undefeated, Michigan with one loss, whatever. Michigan's non-conference schedule is putrid. And if you look at the rest of what their schedule is, it's not like they've got a ton of other games, right? Penn State is a big win, uh, but when you compare them to maybe Tennessee, eh, yeah, that that could certainly be a situation. There are, now all of these are very low probabilities of happening right like we're trying to map these things out with the entire half of the regular season left but yes absolutely there's a way that they could put three in Uh, I don't think that they will but if you gave that situation that I just laid out there yeah absolutely because Tennessee's out of their non-conference schedule and their conference schedule is way better than Michigan's Um, Kyle you agree with that one I mean I I think that's about the only way that that you could maybe lay it out that where you know, that would actually happen. But uh, do you see anything wrong with my explanation? No, I mean, I think the chances of it happening are low. But, you know, could it happen? Yeah, it could certainly happen. I think maybe, uh, I mean, Tennessee has a lot of tough games left. So, you know, Tennessee is not, you know, some foregone conclusion that they're only going to have one loss even. I mean, this is a, a pretty tough schedule the rest of the way. Uh, I think it would probably be a better chance for that to happen if um, Ohio State was the team that was undefeated and Michigan was the team that had one loss. Um, you know, I, I think it's certainly possible. There's a lot of good teams in the SEC. Uh, the chances of it happening, not likely, but possible. Yeah, definitely. Most certainly. Yeah, I, I think, I think yes, there is a way. Uh, the odds are not great. Uh, Timmy the Tulip jumps in. Q&A on Duke and Miami. Um, Parker, I'm going to throw this one to you because Duke surprised me last week against North Carolina. Uh, and I'm trying to see exactly what da, 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 the line is on it. Um, and I cannot find it. Kyle, do you have that line? I saw it at nine this morning. Nine. Yeah. All the way at nine. Okay. Surprising. Uh, Duke was surprising against North Carolina last week. I did not believe that they would be able to hang in that game, and yet their offense was kind of clicking. Now, obviously, it's North Carolina's defense, et cetera. Uh, I, I don't have a feel on this one. Uh, Parker, which way would you lean? Um, I, I have this right at about nine. The issue for me is just like the way that Duke has been able to be successful has been uh, – it doesn't really gel with like what Miami struggled with this year. Obviously, we've seen like when Miami is off, Miami's off. Anybody can beat Miami when they're off. But I think that's kind of a fluke once in a, once in a deal thing. I just don't know that – Miami's big big problem is in pass defense. And like sure, I like Riley, Riley Leonard. But if Duke can't run the ball, this is all a moot point. They're 14th in early down ZPA, but they're 95th and 3rd and 4th down success. So if Miami can kind of stonewall those early down runs from Duke, I don't know how they move the ball. Um Flip side, you could almost say a similar story just because Duke's secondary has not been good. I, I think that Tyler Van Dyke's offseason draft narrative was probably premature. And, um, 
you know, they, the, 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 the Miami offense is more talented than the Duke defense though, uh, just on the merits. And so I, if, if Miami's going to, you know, have a week to fix things, you'd think this Duke secondary would be an opportunity to do that. But I have, the, I think they did a good job with the nine line here. I, I don't know that I have a strong lean or a strong value on this play. I'm certainly not excited about betting on either of these teams. Yeah, it's down to uh, it's down to eight and a half now, and I do wonder if there's maybe a bit of a letdown situation for Duke. I mean, that that's a big rivalry game. They have not beaten North Carolina in a long time, and they really put a lot into that game. It certainly seemed like uh, Christopher Thebert jumps in. A good place to source statistics. Uh, yes, I'll give you one. Go to cfb-graphs.com. That is going to be your best spot to figure that out. Um, you can also find. At Stats of War on Twitter. That's uh, that's going to be your best spot for stats. Uh, Grayson jumps in. Uh, Kyle, I'm going to toss this to you. Cincy and SMU. Haven't watched much of Cincy, but not been very impressed with SMU this year. Uh, Kyle, how uh, how would you feel about that? I think that line is actually three. Yeah, sitting at three, Cincy on the road. You got a feel? Uh, I think I lean Cincy in that game. I think Cincy has the coaching advantage there. I think Fickle's done a really good job with a team that lost so much from last year uh, being as good as they have been. I think the Cincy offense is better than some people give them credit for, too. So I I lean the over. Uh, I think I might like the over better than Cincy in that one. I would want to check the weather since there is some wind in the in the Midwest, but uh, we'll we'll check the weather on that one. But I'm going to lean the over and and Cincinnati SMU. I I don't know. I mean, their their situation still concerns me. I, I wouldn't be excited to bet them. I tend to agree with you. Uh, David Wilkins jumps in. Q and A is Ohio plus the points a good pick against Northern Illinois. Uh, Northern Illinois is a three point favorite on the road in Athens. Uh, Parker. You got a feel on Northern Illinois and Ohio here. Um, depends on the health of the quarterback and whether they're they're cruising with Lombardi uh, for Northern Illinois. Um, I have them on the merits. I mean, this should be an over would be cool here. I have this way over, um, and NIU by four. So I I didn't I again this is going to sound catty if I say it like this. So I'm going to couch it a minute, but like. I didn't pick this game for a reason. I don't love this, but here's what my numbers say about it is that NIU on the road should should cover if Lombardi's healthy. Um, I don't know that there's the most value in that with with Mac games and with the spot, but that's at least by the numbers what you should do. Yeah, the total is uh, 65 there. Yeah, if Lombardi's healthy, I mean, that's that feels like an overall day long. So uh, Grayson jumps back in BC plus the points against Wake. Uh, Kyle, you uh, what do you think about Boston College? I just did. I can't Boston College. Boston College. I, I'm out on Boston College. I mean, that, that's yeah. a team that, you know, their offensive line is so bad that it's really hurt uh, the quarterback and his stock has gone down because of that. I don't think he's actually worse. I think the offensive line is just that bad. Kind of similar to the Virginia situation. Uh, I, I think Wake Forest just has far fewer weaknesses. Uh, I'm not excited to bet that game in general, but I would lean Wake. Let's see. I'm looking at the, uh, the, so a team total on this, uh, Wake is favored by 21 uh, with a total of 61. So you're looking at a 41 to 20 game. So a team total of 20 for Boston College. I might would go under that. Uh, this Wake Forest defense under Brad Lambert has been pretty good. Uh, so maybe not, you know, may, maybe just go with the under team total on that. I, I wouldn't I wouldn't trust Boston College in the slightest. Uh, we got a wake, few more. Wake first half. Wake first yeah, half is what that's, I would that's probably not a bad idea. Probably not a bad idea. Uh, George jumped in. Baylor, Kansas over 59 and a half. Think both teams will be able to score. Uh, 
Baylor's defense has got something going on. Parker, what uh, what do you feel about this one? They lost six NFL guys. Uh, <laughs> is probably what their defense has going on. That's that's that is uh, that is directed towards people in my Twitter mentions. Sorry, I apologize. Um, that's I mean, development is hard in college football, and if you lose a lot of good guys, you got you got to build them back up. But um, yeah, definitely eleventh uh, on offense for Kansas, twenty first on offense for Baylor, but seventy fifth for defense for Baylor, hundred thirteenth for Kansas. Um, I have this as Kansas covering. I think we've seen Kansas on the field and seen that maybe. Um, that's a little tough. I do like what they're going to do schematically um, against this defense and and the kind of Leipold Aranda matchup will be really interesting. Uh, Baylor's offense is is nowhere near what Oklahoma's is when when Dylan Gabriel's healthy in terms of the athletes they have. And um, Baylor's been plagued with like some drops and some self-inflicted wounds. So I think their offense has played better than it actually is on the numbers. They just I mean, these dudes can't get small right now. And so um, if if uh, provided shape is healthy. Um, I, I would be inclined to think that Baylor could cover this, but uh, again, with both defenses being so bad, you could you could take a road dog of eight, eight and a half if it got up there to nine. You would you would be smart to take Kansas there. So um, no no official play to me. It depends on the health of Shapen, but I, I think that we're going to see a Kansas kind of fade into the sunset down the season, which stinks from like a football fun story standpoint. But we have to remember it's still a good story even if they go five and seven. So um, we just might be seeing more of that five and seven down the stretch here. I'm hoping that they at least get one more. I would love to see them get the extra bowl practices and all that. But yeah, five and seven would still be a step in the right direction for sure. Uh, F-123 jumps in. Do you guys think last week's Michigan game is indicative of a Michigan team that is just that good or a phony Penn State team? I think it could be a combination. I think Michigan is pretty, pretty good. I think that Penn State is not phony per se because we've seen James Franklin do this a thousand times. Like it, it seems every time they go to the big house, this ends up happening to them. I think you need some more data points. What what it's going to do is it's going to inflate that line when Ohio State visits next week, and we'll get to see exactly how how absurd it gets, right? Because if Michigan can do that to them, Ohio State should be able to do that to them even on the road. So we'll see. But I, I don't think it means that the Penn State's phony, and I don't think it means that Michigan is just this unstoppable force. Uh, Sometimes these things just happen, right? <laughs> Steven jumps in for Q&A. would love to hear about the Holy War. Uh, BYU at Liberty. Sorry, this is the Holy War part two. BYU Liberty. After BYU previously lost in their name, appears uh, Charlie Brewer is going to play in this one. Uh, anybody got a feel on this one? I, uh, I'm i just so kind of out on BYU at this point. I, <laughs> I don't know who's going to play quarterback for Liberty. Well, like... Go ahead, Parker. If you got if a Liberty's good, if Liberty's good quarterback was going to play, what's his name? The third third string guy who got hurt. Salt. Yeah. yeah, if he was going to play, dude, I'd take Liberty here. Absolutely. Yeah. BYU's defense, I think, was making steps forward, and then we saw like, oh, actually, they haven't played really good defenses and really or really good offenses, and maybe they haven't taken a step forward at all, despite being really experienced. So I think BYU's defense has been just super underwhelming with how much returning production they had, and so I'd absolutely take. Hugh Freeze and a good quarterback against them. I am I gonna bet my money on Charlie Brewer? No, no, I'm not gonna bet my money on Charlie Brewer. <laughs> they made KJ Jefferson look like the most ridiculous Super Bowl MVP you've ever seen in your life last week. It yeah. was unbelievable what he was doing to that defense. Um, let's see. Uh, we've only got a few more. A hey, uh, uh Kyle. Yari B 
jumps in. Hey, guys, is Vandy plus 400 a live play? Missouri has no quality wins. Vandy's only loss, uh, only losses are two top 25 teams, three top 10 teams, and this feels like an overreaction to the Georgia beatdown last week. Now, Georgia did beat Vandy 55 to nothing, but Vandy plus 400, um, you got a feel? Uh, I mean... I think Missouri has improved a decent amount. I think Missouri's defense, I mean, if you look at the box score, Missouri had a chance to beat Florida. Now Florida is not, you know, great like they have been some other years. But, uh, you know, I, I can't get excited to bet Vanderbilt. I mean, you know, at the same time, do I want yeah. to bet Missouri? Uh, not really. I mean, it feels like an easy game to pass on for me. So I, I hate to not give you anything, but – I don't think Vandy is very good stepping up, uh, and even even Missouri is stepping up in competition quite a bit for them. Yeah, it is. Missouri, sneakily okay, like not a bad football team. Um, really good on defense. 17th yeah. in EPA per play. A good, live, actual, real defense. Yeah. Yes, so so Vanderbilt going up against them. Uh, if, if you like Vandy, I would maybe suggest taking the 14 as opposed to uh, – as opposed to doing plus 425 there. Um, let's see, Parker, Heath Harrelson, uh, Parker, for you, any thoughts on Pitt and Louisville? You got a thought? I think... Wait a minute. We oh, no, are going to cover ahead. it tomorrow. Um, yes, but it, but yeah, it, so, you will not be here tomorrow. I like, so. <laughs> I, like, I like Louisville here. I think Pitt's quitting. Um, they got some, you know, a couple guys transferring. They've got some injuries. Their offense uh, yeah. has just been such a drop off. Um, and Louisville is not good. Like, I'm not going to sit here and look you in the face and be like, Louisville's a good team. But I'm going to tell you that a team with Malik Cunningham at quarterback can be a lot better than other teams that look that look decent here as well. So um, I, I don't know. I don't know that I have an official play on this. I would be mighty tempted to look at like a Louisville, a Louisville bet here uh, just because I, I don't know if Pitt's going to sustain the level of play that they've had, and that level of play hasn't been as good. And Louisville is a highly erratic team. Uh, yeah, well, I mean, Pitt might be as well. They might be yeah. as well. I'm not sure. Uh, Robert S., this is the last one here. Uh, Kyle, what do you think about Toledo and Buffalo? I mean, I still think Toledo's the best team in the MAC. Uh, that's, you know, the the what the odds makers are saying as well. Uh, Finn is, is awesome. Like he's, what is, he's oh great. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, uh, what is line, the line? Seven? Seven, and the total is 57.5. This feels like an oh, over. Geez. The total dropped a lot. I think it was 60 yeah. or 61. I, I don't know who's excited to bet an under, uh, you know, between those two. It surprises me. I don't know if there's some news that I missed or something, but. Yeah, I was about uh, to say, uh, there's something weird about that. Um, that's, that's odd. I, I still would lean Toledo, but I hate laying that many points. Is there supposed to be weather in Ohio on? I don't, like I don't think so. Oh, no, no, no. I guess that the game's in. No, that game's <laughs> oh. in Buffalo. Okay. Like from when, a technical is, sense, I do think there will be weather. Gary. I mean, honestly, yeah. <laughs> That's got Good me prediction. Really confused as to why it dropped that much. And I'm so. Let's see. Uh, we're looking at zero percent chance of rain, sixty-three degrees, uh, wind, sixteen miles per hour. Maybe it's the wind. I guess I, I don't I'm not totally certain about that. Uh, I would Toledo looks really really good right now. I'm just waiting for the I'm just waiting for the fall right. Like Jason Candle, it feels like does this every single year, and he ends up dropping games that he's not supposed to. Like he's been the next guy up for I mean uh, since Matt Campbell left there. So I'm um, obviously I think Toledo is really good, but uh, man. Like when this thing comes back down to earth, I, 
<laughs> I don't know what's going to happen. All right, let's uh, let's go and get out of this thing. Um, you guys have been fantastic. All the guys in the chat, James and uh, Damon and uh, Federico and Eric and Daniel and Arbone and Max and Excal, et cetera. You guys are awesome. Thank you all for joining us today. Let me go ahead and do our picks recap. That's right. I remember this time. We've been through a lot of Q&A, but I remembered. Parker, go on and give us your best bets for today's show. I am going to roll with uh, some underdogs today. Troy plus three, Syracuse plus 13.5, and West Virginia um, plus seven there. So we got some got some road dogs on the picks. As our producer said, it's a dog kind of day for sure, and I am riding with the dogs as well. Uh, we are going with, or I am going with Georgia State plus nine and a half. I liked it a lot better at 10 and 10 and a half, but regardless, Georgia State plus nine and a half. I like Troy plus three. I like UAB plus two and a half. I am also going to go with Parker on Syracuse plus 13 and a half, and I will take Houston minus three at Navy. Kyle, uh, what are your best for today? I'm going to take Troy in South Alabama under 46 and a half. So certainly wish it had still been at 49, but I still like it some there at under 46 and a half. And then I'm going to take Georgia Tech uh, fading Virginia there. Georgia Tech minus three. Not too shabby. Fading Virginia. There's worse things you could do in this world for sure. All right, gentlemen, uh, everybody subscribe. If you've not already done so, we would certainly appreciate that. Like the video on your way out the door. Let's go on and wrap this thing up. Uh, the podcast, everything, you guys know what to do. We will be here again on Wednesday at 1 p.m. Eastern time. So set your calendars, all that good stuff. Let's get out of here. Um, I think there's no more notes. Oh, oh, Par- I've already said it, but Parker's going to be on Three Dog Thursday. Make sure that you are there on Thursday morning. We will have a new guest host, not guest host, uh, guest analyst tomorrow uh so make sure and jump in for that one very very interesting smart fella that's going to be joining us in parker's place tomorrow uh, but we also still have parker's bets as well so make sure you jump in for that lots to get to on tomorrow's show with that said for bet us where the game begins god bless college football and we'll see you all again tomorrow